0: If you have your Bibles, uh, please open with me to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to be reading from Genesis chapter 1. We're in a sermon series called The Image of God. And uh, the reason why we're in this series is Jesus is God's image. We don't have to wonder about what God is like, what God would say, what God thinks, what God wants. Instead, God has come near to us. He has sent his son, Jesus Christ. God has taken on flesh. And Jesus is the image of God on earth. And then looking at that topic in the Bible, uh, working backwards, uh, we've done a three part sermon series. The first part, then we thought, well, what if, you know, we're created in the image of God? Jesus is the image of God. However, we are created in God's image. So last week we talked about what it means to be created in God's image. We talked about the effects that will have on our personal life if we believe that. Like, how will our life change if we start living like we believe we're created in God's image. And if you missed that sermon, you can go online to Facebook, and you can go to our Facebook page, and you can look, listen to sermons that you might have missed to catch up on the series. You can also go to our website, HarrisonvilleCommunity.Church, and you can listen to any sermons that you may have missed to catch up. And I just realized this today, too. Our sermons are also podcasted, so if you're out and you're driving around, you can always go to your favorite podcast player, Search for Harrisonville Community Church, and you can listen that way as well. And so as was the first week was that we're creating God's image, and what will that affect our personal lives if we believe that. And now this week, we're going to talk about gender in God's image, because as we read God's word, it means more to bear God's image than just our gender, but it's certainly not less. In fact, the first thing that is mentioned when it says in the scripture that God blesses us with his image it talks about how our gender is a way that we bear God's image. And so, we're going to be talking about that as, as we begin reading from Genesis as you turn there. And you know, I used to pastor a church that met in a high school. It was a great thing that we were doing. We we're trying to start a new church and bring people in a church who hadn't been to church before. And so, we'd rent out this high school, we'd hold church services there. Uh, and it was a great thing to do. And uh, one of the things that we do is, I would take as many people from that church as I could, and we would go see the plays that the students put on there. Because we met in the auditorium. We worked very closely with that theater director. And I wanted to support her and what she was doing. And I wanted to build that relationship, because she supported us so well in what we did. We just wanted to show her love and, and do that as well. And so I took my whole family and our church to this play in the, in the high school auditorium there. And uh, during the play, my little girl had to go to the bathroom. And she was about four years old. My oldest girl was about four years old at the time. And the cutest little thing. And she's you know, dressed up like Cinderella to come see the Cinderella play. And uh, I bring her to the bathroom. And we were about to walk into the bathroom and bring her in there. And this man came out of the bathroom, who had to be about 6'5", very hairy, masculine man, looking man. I came out in a dress, came out with women's stockings on, and he came out and he and we saw each other and he smiled and he said hello. And I smiled and I said hello back and I took my daughter to the men's room with me. And in that moment I just grieved that my child will not grow up in a culture which loves women enough to ensure that they can relieve themselves in privacy and relative safety. My daughter will not grow up in that world. I grew up in that world. My family grew up in that world. The women in our family grew up in that world. And that world is gone. And I grieved in that moment that my family will not know this. And that person who came out of that bathroom is... As valuable as any other person. They are loved by God just like any other person. But they should not have been there. And today we're going to talk about gender. What does the Bible say about gender? Because our culture is saying one thing that for anybody who's noticing, it's completely off. It's completely illogical. It's irreligious. It's ungodly. It's unscientific. And we're trying to figure out why our culture is saying this to anybody who has eyes to see and ears to hear. And we're going to read the word of God. What does God say about this? And it's so important to talk about this stuff in church because you need to talk about it, even if it's basic stuff. You know, you wouldn't need to talk about how the sky is blue unless everyone in your culture is saying the sky is green. When you're standing there and everyone's talking about the emperor's beautiful outfit... And you're sitting there like, um, does anybody else see that? Like, we have to talk about it. We got to talk about this for a variety of reasons. One is God's word. Two, we're going out there and we're saying, what is our culture doing? What does God's word say? Is it acceptable to have women's only spaces? How many genders actually exist? Is it male and female? Or are there a variety, a spectrum and what wisdom does God's word have to guide us in a culture that seems to be looking to redefine all words and boundaries? What does God say? And as we talk about this problem in our culture, it'll be easy to stand up here and just try to like score points, make slams, right? get a win. Because you can highlight the absurdity of this, and it really is absurd. You can go online, you can read articles, about straight individuals being called bigots for not dating trans people. You can go online and see large burly men dressed as women yelling at store clerks who call them sir for misgendering them. You can go online, you can watch TikTok. Some of it's even, it's not just absurd, it's very slimy. You can go watch, there's TikTok channels dedicated to trans people going on dates with straight people to see if they can deceive them and if they'll know or not. And so you can highlight the absurdity. Articles about trans men being mad at feminists for not including biological males in the feminist movement. But if you stand up here and just try to score points and preach with anger and hate, then all those people who claim that Christians are unloving are right. And it's more than just a win. It's more than just an argument to have. There are people to save There are people who are captured by this. I spoke to one of them last week, and I sat there, and I looked in the eyes of someone who's being incredibly deceived by Satan to not know their true value, to not know the love of God. And I thought, if my child... Encounter this kind of influence that this person has encountered in their lives to guide them this way, to influence them this way, I would be so outraged because my children are valuable. And to be deceived in this way by professors, by articles, it is absolutely disgusting and immoral. And so this is more than scoring points. It's not about a win. It's not about being right. It's about saving people. And we shouldn't dismiss this issue, even though it might seem illogical, it might seem absurd. It's not to be dismissed. And we know that. That's why we talk about it a lot. Because we see what's happening in our culture. We see our culture's not dismissing this. We see it's not going away, it's gaining ground, it's gaining traction. That's sad stuff. And our culture needs our prayer because our culture doesn't love people anymore. We have a pandemic of cowardice. And it's being seen in every area of our culture, including this, where people will not tell other people the truth and what is best for fear of being called names. I saw an article online about a young man who was... Desired to be a female, got the surgeries, got the hormones, and killed himself shortly after because he was lied to. Nobody told him that real men want real women. Nobody told him that. They said, you're so stunning and brave. And they misled him. They misguided them like cowards. It's not to be dismissed because there's real people to be saved. It's not to be dismissed because it's not going away. And it's not to be dismissed because we will encounter it. We'll encounter it in our jobs. In California, it's now illegal in senior care facilities to misgender one of the people there. So if you work there and you walk in and one day one of the people decides they're the opposite sex and you call her sir or ma'am or... Whatever you called them last week and they've changed, you have now broken the law. It's not to be dismissed because it's going to affect our jobs, it's going to affect the way we encounter other people, and it's going to affect the people we know and love. It's going to affect the church. The last church I worked in, the guitar player on the worship team showed up one day in a dress and said, I am now a woman. And we had to have that conversation with him. It's going to affect the people we know. It's going to pe- affect the people we love. It's going to affect our church. We have to be prepared for the day, and one day there's someone who wants to come in and use the opposite sex bathroom. We have to start preparing for that, praying for that, training our ushers for it. In this building, we follow the Lord. We bear God's image. Here's what that looks like. Here's what that means. So it's time to talk about it. It's time to talk about God's word. It's time to talk about God's word because evil recruits. One of the most disturbing places to go is the children's section in the library in 2021. I bring my kids there on a weekly basis. I don't let them pick out the books. I read the books beforehand. The percentage of books spewing nonsense is gaining an incredible rate. Here's one that I saw about a little boy who wants to wear a dress, And what's wrong with that? I'll tell you what's wrong with that. We're going to talk about what's wrong with that today. But evil recruits, and in a lot of people I've talked to, I don't know their hearts, but I have a feeling, I have a suspicion, that as you go through school, all of these young people, they want an identity. Do I fit here? Do I fit there? And everybody wants to be loved. Everyone wants to be chosen, And a lot of these people, they look at the other boys and they see them being chosen by the girls. They say, I'm not as fast. I'm not as strong. I'm not as smart. Is someone going to choose me? And the girls, they look at the other girls who are being chosen. They say, I'm not as pretty, not as funny. Is anybody going to choose me? Am I going to be chosen in this game? And they say, maybe there's another game I can play. And they look to this evil recruits and people of low self esteem are usually the ones recruited. And those people need to be protected, they need to be encouraged with the truth rather than misled and misguided with a lie. And what does the Bible say? Looking in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And so bearing God's image is more than our gender, but it isn't less. What does it mean to be created in his image? Well, being created in his image is that we are male and we are female. And how does that work? Well, last week we talked about what it means to bear the image of God. If you think of God's physical characteristics, he's omnipresent, he's omnipotent. I'm not everywhere. I'm not all powerful. If I bear God's image, it's It's not his physical traits that I bear, but it's a mirror that I am. And God has given me the ability to mirror and teach people other things about God, Bearing God's image means that God has made us mirrors to reflect who he is to others. And part of what we reflect is gender. God is not gendered. If you read the Bible, God is not man or woman. He's always referred to as father, so we never refer to him as mother in the scriptures to follow the example of Jesus himself and then all of his followers and all of the people who came before him. But just calling him father does not mean that he has a gender. God does not have a gender, and so how do we bear his image with male and female? Well, God doesn't create an individual person. What he does is he creates a relationship. And if you look at the image of God in Genesis chapter 1, what does God do? Who is God? He is the creator of all things. He creates the sun, the moon, the stars, all of the things in the heavens. He creates the birds in the heavens. He creates the land. He creates the water. He creates all the things on the earth. He creates the heaven, the earth, all of the things. And then the creator turns and he creates a relationship and he takes this relationship between a man and a woman and he blesses it with his image And says, Be fruitful and multiply. And if you love things, if you love people, then you love the relationship that God created because all people come from that relationship. There's something special about the relationship between a man and a woman, which is unlike any other. It bears the image of God, and that's just not a religious saying. We can look and we can see that it is true because that relationship can do what no other relationship can do, which is create new people. What a blessing. God has the image of the creator and he takes this image of the creator and gives it to the man and the woman. If you love God, you love the relationship he created. If you love people, you love the relationship he created. And so that is how we bear God's image, through our gender. Our gender and our relationship with the opposite sex bears God's image. and Scientifically, male and female exist. We have chromosomes. It's called our genotype. Those chromosomes is incredible. They're in every cell of our body. Our entire DNA is enclosed in every single cell of our body. And if you're a cell in the liver, what you do is you open up the part that's for you and you copy it, and that leads... To a liver. It's a blueprint for creating a liver. But you can find those liver genes in every other cell of your body, your hair, your eyes. The eyes, they don't open up the liver gene, they open up the eye gene. But it's there. And our chromosomes determine our sex, determine our gender. Our chromosomes are either X, Y. You get an X from your mother, you get a Y from your father, and you turn out to be a man, and that is your genotype. Or you get an X from your father and an X from your mother, and you are XX, and you turn out to be female. That is your sex, your genotype. And then what happens is that those proteins take those chromosomes, they develop, as you develop as a child, they develop male or female characteristics, which is called your phenotype. And men have the XY gene, women have the XX gene, and there is no third sex. That is it. Now, if you read articles, it's just fascinating. The media is deceptive, manipulative. A study on the media is one of the most interesting things you can do to talk about human behavior and how we try to influence other people. And as this movement has gained steam, you will read articles about other sexes that exist. And they'll say, not everybody is XX and not everybody is XY. And they'll have articles which will inflate the number of people who are not XX and not XY to try to prove this point. And don't be fooled by the articles. Some of them I've seen suggest that up to 2% of all people are intersex which means that something went wrong in development. When dad was giving you a chromosome and mom was giving you a chromosome, something went wrong. You got more than you should have. You got less than you should have. Sometimes you get an extra X chromosome and you were XXY. That leads to a bit of a mix. Sometimes you get another X chromosome, you were XXX. But don't be deceived. The number of people who are intersex is incredibly small even though people who are pushing this agenda would like to inflate it and make it large, it's about one in a 1,000 people that are born who have, it's a difficult thing to determine from their phenotype whether they're a male or female. What happens in these situations is a lot of times the genotype gets an extra gene, but the phenotype is still clearly male or female. Only about one in a 1,000 have difficulty, and I, I, we want to be sensitive to those people. It's a difficult situation, the fact that they're being used for a political agenda is not respectful or loving to them. What's happening is people who are XX and XY want to say, no, I'm the other one. There's no controversy here with people who are XXY and XXX trying to figure out things out. A controversy here is with people who are male or female saying that they want to change. And we were meant to be male or female, but things go wrong. Just like we were meant to have eyesight, but things go wrong. Just like we were meant to have a fully formed lip and palate, things go wrong. Cleft lip and cleft palate is something that is just slightly less common than a real, true intersex person. And yet, nobody is out there saying that we should embrace not having lips or not having palates. My nephew was born without a palate. The poor kid, he couldn't feed his little baby. is the saddest thing ever. He's constantly choking, spitting up his milk, coming through his nose. He's not experiencing life the way God intended it. And that is not cruel to say that. That is the harsh reality of the situation. And how can we fix it so that he can experience things the way God intended? And those who are intersex, they are not experiencing things the way God intended. And that is not cruel to say that. We should help them, we should look to see what we can do for them so that they can experience the truth that God intended for us to be male or female. How can we help someone who is intersex, experience what it means to be a male or be a female? Things go wrong in a fallen world. Not everything happens according to God's will here. And we don't celebrate deformity. Something that God never intended. God desires people to experience wholeness. But many people, through no fault of their own, have come in contact with a sinful, imperfect world and been left short of what God intended. And God intended was for us to be male and female. And you could look at science to tell us that there are two sexes. It's XX or XY. You could look at science to tell you that, but you don't need to because God gave us his word. This was written over 3,000 years ago. The Bible is always so ahead of culture. The Bible's so ahead of science. Before we knew what chromosomes were, we knew that we were male and female. And don't let people confuse you. God created us male and female that's what he intended. A few last week we talked about how Satan does not want us to know our true value. And that's why he tries to attack us in the ways that are most important to God. One of the things that Satan attacks most in our culture is how we reflect God in his image. Satan doesn't want us to know our true value, and so he devalues male and female. He devalues masculinity and femininity first. Our culture is saying a great push for women to become men. I think that's horrible and disrespectful. If you notice, when women entered the workplace, men didn't start wearing skirts. Women wore pants. They needed to start acting more masculine. I can't believe the job that Satan has done both effectively destroying masculinity and femininity both at the same time. As women tried to be men, our culture tried to get men to stop being men and start being more feminine. What we have in our culture is a disaster of male leadership. Men have been picked on and picked on and criticized and criticized and certainly sometimes validly, but picked on and criticized and they checked out. And that's why we have the situation we have. It is not unloving to tell people the truth. What is unloving is to allow other people to deceive other people. What I did in the bathroom today wasn't that one day wasn't loving towards that individual when I smiled and said hello. That was not loving. That was cowardly. What would be loving is to say, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to fight to create a space where women are respected and safe. And if this person doesn't like it, it's not unloving to tell them that. What would be loving is to say, you need to stop trying to deceive people on who you are. Because the trans movement at its core, at its best, is an effort to deceive people about who they are so that they can be treated as someone they're not. And that is not loving. Our society tries to use that word love to try to get whatever it wants. And that's unloving to do this. Don't tell these people those things that make them angry. You're not loving them. What about my little girl? You're not loving her. Let me tell you what's unloving. An entire arena of people sat there and watched a man identify as a female in high school this week and destroy his female competition in swimming. That whole arena is out of their minds. There's not a single person in that arena who's not a coward and who loves other people. Because the loving thing to do, and I look at this and I say, where are the fathers? We know where they are. They quit. They got criticized They got told to be quiet and they packed up their bags and they gave it up because that's what men have done in our society. I look at the fathers and I think, how come not a single man there had the guts and the love to stand up and say, my daughter has trained for this for months. You will not cheat and identify as something you're not to defeat her in the sport that she's put so much effort into and our culture is so nuts that if the women stand up and say, I don't like this, they are called bigoted, they are shamed, and they are told to be quiet. I don't care how many people call me a name. I don't care how many people call me a name. I follow God, I follow the Lord said that we're created male and female. And I'm not hurting people by telling them that. I'm helping them. They may not like it, but I'm helping them. I had a conversation with someone just the other week. They came up and it's like they get a script. You know, the church, we got to do better, Gang. We got to do better. We used to go to church for hours on a Sunday. We'd have Sunday school. We'd have the service. We'd come back in the evening. We'd study. We'd read God's word. We'd find out what we believe. We'd be able to say it to other people. Life is complex. We have to know God's word. God's word is complex. And we can't know it. Through a 30 minute sermon, the church has basically given up talking about everything other than the basic seven things of finances, parenting, salvation. Read your Bible. We're never going to influence our world that way. We've got to know our script. They do. Satan's great at simplifying things and getting it down so his followers know their scripts. And I talk to people and it's like, I'm like, where do you get this script? Is there a website you go to? Because you all say the same thing. And this person came up to me and they start the script off by being the victim. You victimized me by telling me this. By saying these words, that there are men and there are women, you've hurt me. And I said, I have not hurt you. I said, I've helped you. God's word is helpful, it delivers us. I said, You don't have to change your body to be happy with who you are. Instead, God's word lets us know that you can be happy with who you are because God made you that way. You don't have to change your body to love yourself, you can love your body. before sin, we loved our bodies. Genesis 2.25, the man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed. But Satan doesn't want us to know our true value. He doesn't want us to know we're created in God's image. He wants us to hate ourselves. In the 90s, when I grew up, Satan got women to look in the mirror and see someone who was fat and starve themselves. It was a mental disorder. These people need deliverance. They need help. We would take them, when it got bad enough, and people noticed it, we'd take them to the hospital and save them and feed them. When I was a youth pastor in the early 2000s, Satan got people, young people, to look in the mirror and hate themselves and start cutting themselves. It was a mental disorder. I we said, well, you need help you need to know that you're valuable. You're loved. And we'd help them. Satan's a master at what he does, and he is a cruel master. And what he does now is he gets young people to look in the mirror and hate themselves and believe this lie that they'll be happy if they change their gender. 20 years ago this would have been just complete madness but madness gains popularity when a culture turns away from the Lord that's why the word of God is so good because it brings clarity you go out and you listen to what the world is saying and then you read the word of God and you say I took this for granted I I didn't know that we would be like this without the Lord as a culture rejects the Lord you just love this I went to a parade in Raymore a few months ago. And as the boy scouts walked down the street, there were girls in the boy scouts. Now anybody with a mind knows that something is wrong. And the word of God is so refreshing and it's going to be the only place that we're going to be allowed to talk about this and who knows how for how long. It won't be long in our society where you can't say anything because you're going to get fired from your job. You won't hear anything about it in your workplace. You won't hear anything about it in your schools because Satan will clamp down and clamp down, and remove all opposition. That is what Satan does. God has opposite strategy. In church, I want to talk about these things. In church, we want to talk about these things. In church, we love to talk about our differences, because we know the word of God is good, and if we can just talk about it, you'll see that. Satan knows his word is awful, and so he wants people to stop talking about it. We can't talk about this here because we're afraid you're going to win. We are afraid your ideas are going to win out in our schools and in our work, so we can't talk about it here. That needs to be the opposite of what church is. And church isn't always like that, but it should be that way. God's not afraid to talk about it. He gave us his word. He knows he's right the more we talk about it, the more godly we'll become. Churches who don't know God's word, and at different points, I sense this in the church that I was in growing up, not to fault them, but not, I, I spend all my time reading this thing. It's a complicated book. It's a complicated world. People come out and ask me questions. I don't remember the answer off the top of my head. They ask me a question, my first thought, oh no. And sometimes I've given answers myself where it's like, I don't want to talk about this because I don't remember. But churches need to have trust in God's word. And as people ask questions, if you have questions, let's talk about those questions. Let's seek God's word and his answer for those questions. Because of the influence of Jesus Christ in your life, you will go to people who are different than you and you will love them. The Bible says, love others as yourselves, even love your enemies. You'll love people who are different than you. I love talking to people who are different than me. Satan does not do that. Satan, and when you are inspired by Satan, you won't want to talk to people who are different than you. You'll be threatened by them. Here in God's word, it tells us we didn't always hate the way we are. That is the influence of Satan in our world. He shames us and gets us to hate who we are. I was at a uh, soccer game. My kids are playing soccer, and uh, we've never talked about it, right? Because we're teaching them God's word first. We don't have time to go into all of these other things. But I've noticed from the time they were little, I've got to teach them God's word. So I talk about it this way, and I say, sweetheart, one day you'll grow up, to my little girl, and you'll marry a boy just like daddy. And you'll be a mama just like mama. And you'll have kids just like she does. And to my boys, I say, one day you'll grow up, and you'll marry a, mom, a woman just like mama. And you'll be a father just like me because I guess they need to know that. I wouldn't have thought that, but it looks like we need to train our children in this area. We thought it was obvious. I guess it's not. My kids, we've never talked about it, but we go out and we're on a soccer team and they walk out, they play, and immediately the first thing they do, the first water break, they both come back to me and say, why is that boy dressed like a girl? And I just told them the truth. I said, well, he's confused and he doesn't have parents who know. He doesn't have parents who know God's word to guide them. The Bible's not silent on this issue. The idea of trying to pass yourself off as something you're not is as old as time. And people have this desire, this sinful desire. People have all sorts of sinful desires. It's not cruel to say that, it's the truth. People have sinful selfish desires. They have sinful alcoholic desires. They have sinful theft desires. I've got all of those. They have sinful desires. Now, some of them I have, some of them I don't. We all have different struggles. And I wouldn't wish to struggle on my worst enemy. I wouldn't to have this struggle. It'd be a difficult thing to go through. But it's as old as time began. Deuteronomy 22, five says, A woman shall not wear a man's garment, nor shall a man put on a woman's cloak, for whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord our God. I read that as a kid. I, was like, who? I didn't know I was naive. Why would God care what we wear? Well, now I know. People, defy, people rely heavily on social clues to determine who is a man and who is a woman. Some people are not able to pass themselves off very successfully as the opposite sex, but some are. And you rely on social cues. And that's when we've got incredible grooming techniques. You still rely heavily on social cues. Now, thousands of years ago, you relied even more heavily on social cues. There was less of them. And so God's word says you shall not deceive people on your gender. Because for society to function, we need to have honesty and integrity because my daughter is going to want to marry a man to start a family, and my son is going to want to marry a daughter to start a family and bear God's image. And that is a godly thing, and they need people who will be honest to them. And if a society is not honest, this isn't going to work. Not just in this area, but every area. If you go to buy something, they need to be honest about what they're selling you. This is what society needs to function. It is unloving to deceive others. And God created that little boy on the soccer field, and he loved him. And his mom doesn't know the truth. And so I went up to her, and I was just talking with her, I said, oh, how are you doing? Great, here's my kids. This is Isaiah and Gracie. And she goes, oh yeah, that's my child over there. And I didn't bring it up, she did. She goes, we're going to counseling. And I said, well, what are they teaching you in counseling? And she said some sort of nondescript, blah. I met a person the other day who was interested in hormone therapy, who was interested in this, and they said, I'm a very critical person. I've looked at the teaching of the church and they've changed God's word, blah, blah, blah. And I said, you should study more because you've been misled. The interesting thing is people are willing to lie and take your money about anything. There are books now which say that the Bible supports this. It's incredible. All of that has come in the last eight years. To anyone else, I wouldn't have to explain that this is a recent phenomena of deceivers, But for people who have this desire, they want to be deceived. They want to follow it. And I looked in that person's eyes and said, I'm glad you're a critical thinking person. I want you to turn that critical thinking on the people you're listening to right now. What is their goal? What is their motivation? I just saw an article online about a man who killed himself. He had spent his whole life trying to look like a tiger. And people took his money. And they're happy to puff his face up with injections and tattoo his skin orange and put little studs in him, all to take his money. Those people are sick. That is sick. And I said, there are people who will do the same to you. They will give you the drugs. They want you to be a lifetime patient. Those people are sick. They'll make surgeries. They'll mutilate your body. Instead of teaching you to love your body, they will destroy it and take your money. You've got to think critically. What is is going on right now is directly against God's word. Ephesians 2.10 says that you're the masterpiece. When God made his creation, you're the masterpiece of creation. It's not prideful to say that. That is God's word. It's the truth. What's going on is Satan wants them to hate themselves. And so I talked to that woman. I said, What are you doing? She, we're going to counseling. I said, What are they teaching you? She said, Ugh. And I, I didn't really even understand what she said, but you know, I said, Have you gone to church? Because there we'll teach your son to love his body. And she had never thought of that, she had never been to church before. Nobody had ever invited her to church. When we stand before the Lord, we won't have to stand before the Lord and repent of not knowing the truth. We'll have to stand before the Lord and repent of our cowardice. And sex and gender up until recently, they were the same thing. On government documents, they're used interchangeably. I think even to this day, a few years ago when I read about it, they still were. You could go to government documents and see sex on one, gender on the other, used interchangeably. And what is the definition of gender? Well, starting in the 1950s with some philosophers, some feminist philosophers, they wanted to change gender from being synonymous with sex and say, well, sex is what you are biologically, but gender is how you express yourself, and therefore you can identify as anything, and whatever you identify, well, that is true, and therefore you can say that you are the opposite, and you can actually be it, because your gender is determined by you. And so in the new definitions, sex is what you are biologically, and gender is whatever you want to be. But if you're going to look at what the Bible says, if such a topic of gender exists, what the Bible would say from verses like Deuteronomy 22.5 and Genesis, it would say that if gender exists, if there is a way you identify, then the purpose of your gender, the way to follow God with your gender is to identify with your sex. And then your gender would be to accurately communicate that sex to the world. And you cannot follow God by deceiving others. And you can also not follow God by empowering and engaging in deception. And so as a believer, when you're thinking about practically, you cannot engage and support deception. You cannot call someone by their preferred pronouns and follow the Lord Jesus Christ if they are attempting to deceive other people on who they are. You can't do that. You don't have to offend them and call them by their real pronouns. You can respect them, but you cannot engage in this. You cannot not participate it, you can't initiate it, and you can't support it. You cannot deceive people about your sex origins. Men and women are not interchangeable. Our society is so garbled on this message. It's incredible. They should be ashamed of themselves for their inconsistencies. We know that men and women are not the same. And that's why one of the arguments that's come forward about the corporations in the boardroom is if you've got all men on your boardroom, you're missing something. There's something to be gained. Women are valuable. They have perspective. They have insight. Quit being so foolish with only men in your boardroom. Listen to what a woman has to say. But then you get to a marriage and you don't need a woman anymore. She's not valuable. My relationship's the same without a woman. It's equal. Treat it as equal. Say it as equal. Call it by the same name. I can take the woman out of a marriage and replace a man. There's no difference. We cannot engage in that kind of deception. That is incorrect. Men and women are different. You can't take a woman out and put a man in and get the same results. And the loving thing to do is to tell people the truth because we care for them. The Bible brings wisdom and clarity, and in years gone by, we might have had a very clear definition of gender, but we have been too strict with our expression of gender Many people have not felt like they were manly enough, feminine enough, because they didn't live up to a few select ideals. And that is certainly a valid criticism. If you're a man who likes ballet, praise the Lord. You're a dancing man. I went to a wedding last night and I tried it. It didn't work out so well. (laughs) If you're a strong woman, praise the Lord. You like to play hockey, you like to play rugby. That's fantastic. There's going to be a woman out there who wants a man who can dance. There's going to be a man out there who wants a woman who's strong. Many people hate who they are because they feel they don't measure up towards what they're supposed to. And the Bible is wise because it doesn't give hardly any restrictions on what it means to express our sex. Except one, you've got to accurately communicate it. You can be a dancing man, you can be a guy who likes pink. You can be a woman who fights an MMA. You can do these things and be a woman. And you can do these things and be a man. And there's someone out there for you. And as God looks down on these people he's created, these kids who wonder if they're masculine enough to be chosen. Those boys, those women, who, girls who wonder if they're feminine enough to be chosen. God looks down and he sees all of them with love and delight. And he wants them to experience what's best and has an opposite sex relationship with someone who they can create a family with and bear God's image with. I told that to that person. They said, well, there's a lot of people who haven't, shouldn't have children. I said, I disagree. I said, who shouldn't have children? Well, people who are abusive. I said, I think they shouldn't be abusive, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I think they should have children. Man, our world's messed up. You listen to the abortion arguments, they say, well, people can't provide for their children. And that's an argument for abortion in the United States. I'm like... Africa? You're going to tell the entire continent that they shouldn't procreate because they don't have the same standard of living we do? So who should else shouldn't have children? Well, People who can't care for your children. Well, I think we should help them and create a society where they can flourish and provide. I don't think they should stop having children. I think we should start releasing restrictions on people so that they can provide for themselves There are many reasons to not have children, but all of them is a reason to grieve. If, if you weren't able to find a spouse who's a believer in Jesus Christ, that's a great reason to not have a child, and it's a reason to grieve. There weren't enough men following the Lord for all of the women believers. That's to grieve. Grieve. I know a great lady right now who's not having children, making a great decision because she can't find a spouse. And I support her. We're all looking. We had our Christmas program up here, and there's all these little kids up on this stage. And all of them have all of them have mommy's eyes and daddy's hair and nose and And I looked at that person as I'm having this conversation with them and I said, God loves you that much that he gave your body the ability to do this. What has God given your body? What organ has God given you that he doesn't want you to use? He wants you to cut out your liver, poke out your eyes. He gave you a womb because he loves you enough that he wants another one of you. He wants you to continue on. He wants your eyes. (laughs) And anybody who's guiding you, encouraging you to do anything else, they don't love you. They're deceiving you they're afraid you're going to be mad at them but anybody who's encouraging you to do anything other than have a child with someone of the opposite sex where you can both partner in this and have this experience is unloving they don't want the best for you children are a blessing so what we learn from God's word, there are many things that go wrong. And what we do is we embrace the body God gave us and we embrace who God made us to be. Well, how do I know that God made me this way? How do I know that the things that Satan has screwed up, how do I know that they're not actually God and I should be following those? Well, we read God's word. And so we find out what we're supposed to be We embrace who God made us to be. We repent of the sin and the ways Satan has messed things up. And we pray for healing from the way he's messed things up there too. And so for my eyes, my eyes, you know, all of my family has blue eyes. My wife has got blue eyes. People have never complimented me on my eyes. But they come up and they compliment all my kids on their eyes. They love blue eyes, people do. I shouldn't shouldn't poke out my eyes and try to place them with blue eyes. Instead, I'm going to look at the word of God Jesus Christ healed people's eyes so that they could see. He never healed them so they could be a different color. And so I embraced the way God made my eyes. I don't care if other people like them enough. God does. And He gave them to me. So I embraced the body that God gave me. I repent of the sin and the ways in which I followed Satan. Every woman that I've looked at who's not my wife, and I've, I've been, I need to repent of that. That is sin and evil. And then I pray for healing for the ways that Satan has made my body different than how God intended for it to be created. I couldn't see anything. I remember in third grade, I got my first pair of glasses and I could see the leaves on the trees. I thought, this is amazing. And you know what the first thing I could do when I got uh, the ability to have surgery, enough money to have the surgery to fix my eyes? I had the surgery. Because God wanted me to see clearly. I know that. Jesus healed people of their blindness. And so we embrace the body God gave us. We repent of the sin that we have and we look to fix the way Satan has hurt us. For my muscles, God made me to work. And so I'm going to embrace that. I'm going to repent of my laziness. And I'm going to pray for my tendonitis. And you can do this for anything. For my reproductive organs, I'm going to embrace the way God made me. I'm going to pray for forgiveness. For my fornication. And then I'm going to seek healing for my infertility. And we know how we're made. We know what to repent of. And we know what to heal by looking at God's word. It brings clarity to a world that is insane. And you don't realize how insane they are until they stop following God's word. And you look at it and you say, What? Charlize Theron, famous actress, said her little three-year-old came up to her and he's a little boy, and he came up to her and said, I'm not a boy. And she came out to the world and said, that's when I realized I'm raising a transgender son. And I'm embarking on this new adventure of how to raise a transgendered son. Think about that. The child came to the parent in need of guidance and help. And she's so confused that she was educated by the child. As the parent, I read God's word, and I'm the authority to help my children. I'm not educated by them. If they have insight, praise the Lord. They do all the time, but I'm the authority. I'm supposed to know better. When my kids, I've had five kids, four of them are three and older. You know what all of them have said when they get to about two and a half years old? I say, good girl. She says, I'm not a girl, you are. (laughs) I say, good boy. He says, I'm not a boy, you are. I didn't think I'm raising transgender children. I know that children push boundaries. They need limits. They're looking for the truth. I told my kid not to touch the fireplace because it's hot. You know what he did? I didn't throw him in the fire. <laughs> Only Satan could inspire people to be this mad. And he's a horrible master. And we need the word of God. Because of the word of God, I can instruct my children. They come to me and they say, I'm not a I say, you are. God made you a man of God. Every cell in your body is a male cell. And I can look at your hair and I can tell if you're a boy or a girl. I can look at your foot and tell if you're a boy or a girl. God God made you a man. He made every part of you a man. And now let me tell you the things that men can do that women can't. Same thing with my daughters. He made you a woman. Every single Part of you, your toenails, your eyelashes. Now, let me tell you the things that women can do that men cannot do. Some of us will experience gender dysphoria, but if you're looking to apply this message to your life, ask yourself how has Satan gotten me to feel shame about an area of my life, an area of my body? In the pictures, All the ladies look like that. And so I've always hated this part of me. In in the 80s, the Marlboro man, he always looked like this. So I've always hated this part of me. For me, it's my height. And what is that for you? Satan's a horrible master. (laughs) and we need to be free. He's a wicked deceiver. And you can love how you are because God does. Let's pray. Lord, as we look at our world today, Lord, we pray for freedom and deliverance from these deceptions God, we look at all the ways that Satan deceives our nation, whether it's anorexia, Lord, whether it's cutting, whether it's gender dysphoria. God, we pray that our nation would experience freedom and a revival, that our nation would love other people enough to risk upsetting them so that they can be guided towards a way in which they can experience greater blessings. God, we repent as a nation of our cowardness, of our cowardliness, of our selfishness, of how pathetic we are at reading your word, of inviting people to church, of spreading your gospel. Lord, we repent of all of the ways in which we have failed to guide our nation towards you. Lord, I pray that you bring our nation back to you, that we would have a revival, that we would lovingly stand up and say, no, here's the way to go to experience God's blessings. Lord, we pray for our church. We pray for our nation. God, bring revival of people who care about other people enough to tell them the truth, who stand up to bullies and say that woman who says that it's unfair for her to compete against men in the swimming competition is bullied into silence. God, I pray that you'd bless people with the bravery and the love to say, no, she's not, you're deceived. God, if Satan deceives us in so many ways, we pray for deliverance from his evil deception. We rebuke Satan. And, Lord, as we look at our own lives, and Satan has gotten us to feel inadequate, to feel like we don't measure up, to feel like we're not worthy, to feel like we're not going to be loved, to hate ourselves, to hate the way you've made us, to hate this part about ourselves and that part about ourselves. Lord, I pray that you would bring clarity this morning through God's word, to be able to embrace the way you made us and love who we are, to be able to repent of the way in which we're deceived by Satan and seek your truth and to heal ourselves and others and do whatever we can to bring people into a situation where we can experience the blessings that you've intended for us. Lord, I specifically pray for the people in our lives who experience gender dysphoria people who don't understand the value of their bodies and people who don't understand the value of being in a relationship with a person of the opposite sex. Lord, we pray for freedom from, for them. We pray that you would refresh and renew their minds. We pray for deliverance from the enemy. Lord, bless us as your followers who look to spread your word. And God, I pray for families as we stand up and we say, I'm sorry, I cannot participate in this deception. As we have those difficult conversations with family members. God, instead of family members being upset and breaking off relationships with people who are different than them. I pray that you inspire us and them to follow Jesus Christ and come together and be able to talk about these things as we get together for Christmas, Lord, with our families who believe differently, who might behave differently, who dress differently, who seek to be different. God, I pray that you'd bless our families They can spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God loves you the way that you are. And you don't have to be different to love yourself. For all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.